Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Michigan Hoops is red hot and off to the best start in program history. Joining me on our game day segment in just a moment will be Wolverine.com editor Chris Ballas to discuss that and much more. First, a few of my thoughts to get us rolling. I, like you, am enjoying watching this Michigan basketball team. In most seasons, at this time of the year, Coach B is tinkering, putting the pieces together, but this year it seems to be coming together much earlier. Has this team peaked early? I think that's the question we are all asking, and we are going to find out in the coming weeks. Josh Gaddis has inked a three-year contract at 900 k per year that includes performance bonuses. Jim said on Monday he has the keys to the offense. Now, I think most of us will believe that when we see it. But for as much criticism as Jim gets for being stubborn and wanting to control everything in his offense, this is a big change. It maybe hasn't happened as fast as everyone wanted, but he is proving he will make changes and is open to doing whatever it's going to take to utilize his offensive weapons. My guest today says that despite the fast start, he still thinks Michigan Hoops is going to get better as the season progresses. If we do, it could be another very special march. Wolverine.com editor Chris Ballas is up next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Back with us on our game day segment this week is Wolverine.com editor Chris Ballas. Chris, wonderful to have you back on the show. Okay, appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for having me. Well, Michigan basketball, Chris, off to the best start in program history after beating Northwestern on Sunday night at Chrysler. Your thoughts on this amazing start? I think back to all those Michigan teams with all the talent they've had over the years in the Fab Five and the 1989 championship team and the mid-'80s teams that – you know, Michigan's got a, a rich tradition. I don't think a lot of people realize that because of the 10 years that they went without going to the tournament from uh, about 1998 to 2008. But uh, this is a program that's been to a Final Four in every decade since the 1960s and, and has won a title. And, and to look at this group of kids, and there aren't a ton of stars on this team. There are a lot of very good players and maybe a couple of pros. But to see what they've done and what they've accomplished as a team is exactly what John Beeline has always preached and always tried to build and uh, these guys exemplify that you look at Xavier Simpson is not going to be a pro this kid's probably 5'10 on a good day and uh, and how he's developed in just his will to win Charles Matthews the way he plays defense the way that the, these guys have developed John Teske for example Michigan's junior center I never thought and I don't think anybody did that he'd become the player that he was but that he's become but uh, it's unbelievable watching what they've accomplished, 17-0. and 0. I think they got a good shot to extend that streak. They play at Wisconsin next, and every game's tough. And John Beeline said that after his post-game, uh, during his post-game uh, at, after the Northwestern win. But uh, you know what? These guys uh, just keep rolling, and it's unbelievable to watch. It's 17-0, best start in school history. Some folks are saying this, and it might be a bit premature, but this does at least look right now like maybe Coach John Beeline's most complete team, doesn't it? It does, and you got to wonder about the depth a little bit and if they could develop maybe one or two more guys. Brandon Johns showed some uh, some life a couple of games ago, went for eight points and eight rebounds, hasn't played 
much since, so he's got to be more consistent. If they can get one or two more guys, I'm thinking, okay, uh, this team has a chance to be really special and go a really a long way. You know, it's like most teams, or a lot of teams anyway, they're one injury away from being in trouble. You know, if a John Teske were to go down, for example, or a Xavier Simpson, then maybe this team would be in trouble. But uh, they've got – it's just – it's amazing how different it is because every night it's somebody else. Last night they're against Northwestern, actually, it was – it was Xavier Simpson and John Teske making threes, which uh, they couldn't do at Northwestern when they eked out a two-point win about a month ago. So it's just amazing to watch uh, how they play as a team. You've got guys uh, on other, at other programs and on other teams that would want to get theirs and be selfish, but Beeline has preached, hey, you know, this is, you're going to get yours eventually, and, and people are going to notice you if you just stay within the team concept. So that's, in my opinion, what makes it so much fun to watch. So much fun to watch and such a hard team to defend against. Uh, Coach Collins, after the game Sunday night, Coach Collins from Northwestern said their game plan was to let Teske and Simpson beat them from the outside, and they stepped out and did that. So other teams scouting Michigan, watching Michigan, how tough does that make your game plan against this team? Yeah, I mean, when, when those guys are making threes against you, and I don't know if it was Western Michigan's coach, I forget, Xavier Simpson, I think, made three or four in another game earlier this year, and, they, and he said, you know, yeah, leave it to Simpson to, to do that against us when we, you know, say, hey, go ahead and do it. But you know what? It was the right move on paper because they had challenged him. Northwestern had just a month ago down the stretch to make threes and left him unguarded and he missed about four in a row and was actually benched at the end of that game and they had to bring in Eli Brooks Michigan did to finish out that game he made a big three and uh, just because Xavier couldn't make him but guess what he did he went back to the gym continued to work on his shot and as Beeline said after the Northwestern game eventually Xavier Simpson is going to win it doesn't matter what you do he says he's going to outwork you and he's going to find a way and I think uh, that speaks for itself if you look at the 31 and 1 record over the last 32 games uh, with him at point guard and the way that he's emerged and developed there's another kid that we thought in his freshman year is this kid going to get it and grasp it and are they going to be able to win with him at point guard I think he's proven that uh, certainly that he can and you mentioned John Teske we saw him on Sunday night just raining down threes but he's been cleaning up on the glass protecting the rim playing great defense he truly is now more than just a big body isn't he Chris yeah and that's another one where you see him in his freshman year and you think okay is are they gonna have to recruit another big guy and and maybe recruit over him and you know at the end of his freshman year uh we'd heard all about austin davis and how much he had been coming on as a true freshman and that hey maybe you know next year he's going to be the guy well teske elevated his game and and it was really always about confidence with him you always liked the way he moved and uh and confidence and then playing with another gear and what he understood and what John Beeline told him after the first exhibition in which he played just okay is that you aren't the compliment now. You are the guy, and we need more from you. And But I never think I don't never thought I'd see him where he was stepping out and hitting threes like he did against Northwestern. I think he made three, maybe two. Uh, if, if it was two, he had another long one that he was just inside the three-point line. But he's added that element to his game now where that stretches the floor even more and opens things up because that brings the five-man away from the basket and – creates all kinds of room for your drivers, your guys like Iggy Brasdikas and Charles Matthews, Jordan Poole. So that adds an element to the offense that 
it's just so hard to defend. It's, it's pick your poison. And it's like Chris Collins said, he said, you know what, this is the strategy that we employed. Those guys went out and hit eight out of 15 threes. And that was the difference in the game. So just uh, amazing how it opens the floor when, when guys can hit their threes. And that's what John Beeline's always recruited to, but developing those three point shooters too, like Teske and Simpson is really why this program and why this team has come as far as it has. Well, to me, still the single most impressive thing uh, is watching the defensive play of this team. And I mean, they have played at a very high level for the most part through all 17 games, Chris. And it's not just a few players. Everyone buys in. Everyone that gets on the floor is contributing in a big way on the defense. Very impressive to watch, isn't it? It is. And it starts with Simpson and Matthews. And Beeline has always said his best teams are the ones that take ownership themselves and don't have to look to the coaches to ride them. And Simpson and Matthews, if you're if you're taking time off on defense, then they're going to let you know about it. It kind of reminds me of Zach Novak when he was here as the captain. And, uh, and the Michigan State game, the one that really kind of changed the trajectory of the program, I think Michigan was 1-6 in Big Ten play and playing at Michigan State. And he had a meltdown on the court when somebody didn't chase a loose ball and he got in his teammates' faces during a timeout and screamed. His face turned red. They picked it up. They won the game. That's what this reminds me of. These two guys, they, but they don't have to do a whole lot of screaming now because it's kind of entrenched in these guys that, hey, we are depending on you and we're doing our jobs. Watch us lead by example. Charles Matthews, for example, against Northwestern on Ryan Taylor was unbelievable. He had, he had scored a couple of threes, uh, I think, over Eli Brooks, and they put Matthews on him. And his lockdown defense, I don't think people appreciate this enough about him. They look at him maybe making – a poor play on the offensive end or missing a couple shots or a couple of free throws, and they forget what he brings to the defensive end of the floor. But Teske, again, though, is the guy uh, that really is the is the straw that stirs the drink there, too, because he's such a big body. It's not just protecting the rim, but it's on ball screens that he's so big that it's hard to see over him and it's hard to do things. And uh, Collins mentioned that as well. He said, you know what, when you've got a guy like that with that kind of recognition and kind of directing traffic back there, then they are really hard to score on. And uh, it is unbelievable what they have become defensively. And uh, not to ramble on, but Matthews has said this. He said, you know, there was always maybe this perception that Michigan was soft before we got here. We are, I don't see it now, he said, and and we're going to make sure that that is never the perception about this program as long as we're here. We're used to Coach Beeline's teams peaking late in the season, but this year, they have been hitting on all cylinders pretty much since the opener. Have they hit their ceiling, or do you think this team can be even better? I think it can be even better, and I think we're starting to see that because guys, again, like Simpson and, and Teske starting to make threes and getting more confident. Isaiah Livers off the bench came in and gave them a spark against Northwestern. Uh, they weren't shooting the ball well, and Northwestern had whittled it down to 13 points. Livers stepped up with confidence and nailed a corner three that stopped the run. And uh, they've got, in, in my opinion, they've got still got some improvement to do on offense. And, and you're seeing that, though. You're starting to see that evolution where, okay, now there's more space created on the floor for the drivers. And uh, what's amazing is that I think this team has only won two games in their 17-0 start by less than 10 points. And one of them was Western Michigan when – you know, during exam week, and I don't want to make excuses. I think Western Michigan played a great game, but uh, their heads weren't entirely in it. But if you think about that and the schedule that they've played, the North Carolinas at Villanova uh, and teams like that, Purdue at home, um, you know, there's still some tests along the way. But seems to me like this this program and this team is really dialed in right now and, and that this, really the sky's the limit. I think this is probably 
legitimately one of the top four teams in the nation. And if you're looking at final four teams now, again, as long as they stay healthy, I think they've got as good a shot as anybody. Well, there are going to be a few bumps in the road. Up next is Wisconsin in Madison. Uh, They're struggling a bit, but the Kohl Center has not been a place Michigan has enjoyed much success, to put it mildly, under Coach B. It's going to be another tough Big Ten road game. It is, and uh, I did watch that Purdue-Wisconsin game the other night, and uh, you know, one, Wisconsin seems to be lacking something. There's there's something missing uh, that you always saw under the Bo Ryan teams, and it's that grit. And uh, they've got a they've got a solid team, and they've got some pieces, but uh, again, just something missing. And to lose two games like they have already at home, I believe Minnesota and uh, Purdue. There's an opportunity there for Michigan. They're going to have six days rest, and uh, it's going to be an early game there. I think it's an 11 o'clock start central time, so they're going to have a great shot to win that game too. They've had better success in recent years, uh, but that's a tough place to play. Ethan Happ, I think what you're going to see is that Michigan's going to let him get his. Uh, he's probably going to score 25 points. they got to make sure they stay out of foul trouble and, uh, and tell Teske just keep the hands up and uh, and protect that three-point line because that's when Wisconsin's dangerous. Hap can really pass well out of the post. But, uh, again, I think a great opportunity. This team is not intimidated on the road, Mike, if you watch them. What they did at, at Villanova, and I understand mm-hmm. that Villanova is not the national championship team that they were a year ago, but that's still a tough place to play. Uh, you see what they did there. You see what they did uh, at Illinois in a hostile environment. And, and where they go, they just don't get intimidated. So like Michigan's chances in that one, and uh, and like you said, they are going to drop some games. And people, probably the fan base is going to be, what's the matter if they lose two uh, two games out of three? Guess what? The record will be like 21-2 and two at that point. You know, So you got to keep it in perspective. It's a long season. They're not going to go undefeated. But uh, what really excites me is that you've got the two Mich- state of Michigan teams here setting up playing two times in about two weeks at the end of the year, and I think that's going to determine the Big Ten championship. With us on our game day segment this week is Wolverine.com editor Chris Ballas. Uh, Chris, basketball, of course, front and center right now as it should be. Football always a hot topic, and last week two big hires were made. Josh Gaddis is the uh, the new offensive coordinator. A very interesting hire, isn't it, Chris? It is. Uh, I think it's a great hire, and uh, it remains to be seen if he's going to be given a complete autonomy and uh, to, to call the plays. And, uh, you know, that's one thing about that we don't know is, is how much input is Jim Harbaugh still going to have on the offense. What we can say is that Gaddis is considered one of the up-and-coming top coaches in the country in terms of being a great recruiter and a great offensive mind. Uh, the way that he's worked with wide receivers at Penn State, at Alabama, and Nick Saban raves about him. Nick Saban doesn't rave about a whole heck of a lot. But uh, we read an article from Alabama.com in October where he said this guy is a, is a fantastic football coach, and uh, he was the co-offensive coordinator for a reason. So uh, he got his man, and he went out, and everybody was curious how he was going to respond when they lost to Al Washington and Greg Madison to Ohio State. Obviously, those were coaches on the defensive side of the ball, but both of those guys are great recruiters. Gaddis is considered one of the best recruiters in the country and uh, and a great offensive mind. So I think that was a step in the right direction. And and I uh, love what he brings to the table. And, you know, it's not about winning the offseason, though, as you and I know. It's about winning games and especially winning that last game on the schedule in November against Ohio State. So it'll uh, be interesting to see how different the offense looks next year if they open it up a little bit more and use those wide receivers. That's been his M.O., 
and he's done that wherever he's been. Well, another important hire, as we uh, all heard last week, was uh, bringing in uh, defensive coach. And I, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Is it Anthony Campanile? Yeah, that's the way I understand it. But he's got great ties. He does have ties to uh, Coach Brown, too, doesn't he? He does. Uh, they know each other. I don't think they overlapped at Boston College, but he comes from a football family. Great high school coaches in the state of New Jersey. You know, Michigan started recruiting New Jersey well when Chris Partridge was added to the staff. And uh, as the as the as well, actually he was an analyst at first, and then he became a, a position coach, and now he's the safeties coach. But that kind of opened the door a little bit, and I think this is another step in the right direction. We talked to Boston College writers, and they said this is a guy who Rutgers had looked at uh, as maybe even giving a coordinator position at one point. Uh, he's really climbing the ladder and another great recruiter, which is what you need in this day and age. You know, people people talk about coaching ability, and, and that's important. It's just as important to be a great recruiter. One of the Ohio writers said, you know, Urban Meyer would always look first at, okay, is the guy a great coach? Yes, but if he's not a great recruiter as well, then he's not going to have room for him on his staff. you got to go out and you got to do the work. So, And I think that's uh, that's what Michigan is doing with these hires. So still have to hire a defensive line coach. And uh, and do a little bit more shuffling and, and secure a couple of guys. Ed Warner, for example, on the offensive line, I think you're going to see him get a, a pay raise. But uh, everything that we've seen and everything we've heard and everybody we've talked to said that these moves in the offseason have been have been great for Michigan. You don't want to lose your coaches. You don't want to lose an Al Washington, for example, to Ohio State. His dad did have ties there, however. So I uh, played for Woody Hayes, so that's understandable. However, it's how you respond, and, and everybody we've spoken with believes Jim Harbaugh's done a great job with that. As far as departures go with uh, Al Washington, most people understood that pretty well, why he might end up in Columbus. But I think a lot of fans still have and probably will continue to have mixed feelings about Greg Madison's departure, only, again, because of where he ended up. It's still hard to figure, at least for me, what are your thoughts on that, Chris? I'm with you, and uh, it's the second time he's done this now. He left Michigan for Notre Dame and uh, in 1997, and for a, it was, that was the lateral move, and I believe that Notre Dame actually played paid for his daughter's school there, uh, which is a big chunk of change, let's be honest, you know, free tuition for uh, coaches' families. But um, left then, now he's leaving for Ohio State. From everything that we've heard, Michigan had made him a very nice offer, probably to be the most – highly paid position coach in the, in the history of the school. And there were plans for him after he retired, whenever he chose to retire to remain in the athletic department and be part of it. Uh, he remained part of Michigan and, and listening to him over the last several years, talk about how special Michigan is and, and uh, how great, how much it meant to him. Uh, and then to see this is, is disappointing. There's no way around it. And yes, he got the, yes, he got the, the promotion, I guess you would call it, co-defensive coordinator at a great school. But, man, it doesn't sit well with a lot of people, and, and it's understandable that it doesn't because you're going to a rival. It's almost like, okay, if you can't beat him, join him type of thing. And mm-hmm. we understand that he coached for Urban Meyer down there at Florida and that Urban Meyer was probably partially responsible for this. But um, still, you look at it, and uh, and for, to some people, he's like the Jerry Hanlon of his era, you know, where he's been at Michigan for so long and – so entrenched that uh, he's like the former Michigan offensive line coach under Bo that there's always going to be a place for him here and they always expect him here and for him to go and do that uh, is in my opinion pretty disappointing. Well there's a lot going on right now in the Michigan sports scene other than basketball football news. Uh, coach Kim Barnes Rico and her team 11 and 6 overall right now 
Two and three in Big Ten play. They are a work in progress, uh, Chris, but they're looking pretty good. They are. I watched, uh, in fact, a, a good portion of that game against Maryland. I think that was on the road, if I'm not mistaken, at Maryland. And uh, uh, and they play well. It's just a matter of finishing and uh, you know getting some bounces. They got one against Northwestern. I don't know if you saw the end of that game mm-hmm. at, at Chrysler where the ball uh, – the uh, Northwestern has it with a chance to win. The ball hits the rim three times on a, a shot in close and falls out. You need some of those breaks. And uh, But I, I like the program under her, and uh, I think it's solid. You're still waiting for them kind of to take that next step where uh, kind of like Beeline's program, you know, and it takes time. That's what people have to understand, that uh, Beeline, when he got here, it was, first of all, it was about making the tournament because they hadn't been to the tournament in so long. Then it was about winning the, a tournament game or two. Then it was – competing for big tens. And now you're one of the, the top programs in the country. And uh, so it takes time, but you're starting to see the pieces come together in my opinion. And it's now it's just about taking that next step and getting over the hump. You know, what's nice this year is they're getting some really good crowds at Chrysler for the home games. That's what happens when you have great basketball programs. Look what happened to Michigan state when their when their men's basketball program took off the Michigan state women's basketball program took off. You start drawing crowds and the, uh, and you like to see that because they deserve it, and they work as hard as anybody else uh, on the men's side, the women's side, whatever you know. And uh, and they deserve to be playing in front of people. Uh, it's great to see that, and, and it's a lot of fun. Well, hockey split a pair with the number four Ohio State down there on the weekend, and have been up and down so far this season, which I think has somewhat surprised people. What do you make of this team, Chris? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you go and you win at Notre Dame outside. You know, I remember when Michigan played Michigan State at the big show at the big house several years ago. I think it was 2011 already. God, time flies. But And uh, and Red Berenson saying after the game, you know, it was an unbelievable production and uh, it was the biggest crowd in the in the history of, of hockey. And, and he said, but we had to do our part and win that game. And uh, they were focused on winning that game, which they did. To go down there to Notre Dame against a, a highly ranked Notre Dame team and win that game and take it away from them, what should have been a special moment for them, was outstanding. And then to come back and at home and lose to Merrimack, uh, you know, you just can't do that. And uh, the goaltending's been up and down. That's one of the things that, uh, you know, you'll see a great performance one night and uh, and then not so great performance the next night. But you know what? They've really they've, they've lost their margin for error now. And you almost have to sweep teams like Ohio State uh, and uh, to really to make that run and, and get going here late to make a playoff run because uh, it's been spotty and I thought they'd be better. Uh, but when you lose the scoring that they did, then I guess uh, it was probably be, to be expected. You just hope that they start peaking at the right time here, putting it together, string some wins together here so that they can make a, a run and, and maybe make some noise in the postseason because there's certainly still a lot of talent on this team. Well, final question for you, Chris. Uh, last week, Michigan Gymnastics hired former USA Gymnastics employee, Florida coach uh, Rhonda Fain as a consultant. That whole thing blew up really fast and went south, didn't it? It did, and that's kind of those one of those what-are-you-thinking <laughs> moments. <laughs> and uh, I didn't understand it, and and I thought that the criticism was deserved. Uh, she was had been linked to the Larry Nassar scandal at Michigan State, and um, you know, people thought that she didn't do enough of, of a good enough job, I guess, in terms of, yes, she reported some things. I don't know the, the, the entirety of the, the situation and all of the details. All I know is that it was a bad look at the time and we thought it would probably be resolved sooner than later. And it has been, they've cut ties with her and Ward Manuel actually issued a statement 
uh, apologizing for it and saying, yeah, we made a mistake there. But the good news is that they rectified that mistake and, uh, and it is no longer an issue. So it is, uh, they did the right thing, but you hope in the future, Mike, that uh, they take a little bit closer look here and, and uh, aren't so tone deaf about their hires. Our guest today has been Wolverine.com editor, Chris Ballas and Chris, Uh, We always love having you on the show, and hopefully here in February we'll get you back and be talking about a steamrolling Michigan basketball program. I hope so, too. Thanks, Mike. Anytime, buddy. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. On quick hits today, junior offensive lineman Nolan Elysio will be transferring. He played in just five games last season. In other news, Kim barnes Rico and her team will be on the road at Iowa on Thursday, then back home on Saturday for a big one with Ohio State, 4 p.m. tip time. They are 11-6 overall, 2-3 in the Big Ten. Hockey is at home this weekend for a pair with Penn State. They need to get it in gear if they want to see postseason action. We are 8, 9, and 6 overall, 4, 5, and 4 in the Big Ten. Make sure you get our free show app from the iTunes and Google Play stores. You can also hear us on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeart, and Wolverine Sports Radio. That will do it for this week. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until next time, take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!